So this morning, this morning, as we just get into God's word, uh, so some of you know, my wife's a physio, um, and she's, she always speaks to me about posture, you know, your posture, you know, you mustn't, bad posture, good posture, you know, posture's important. If you, if you work a desk job and you're behind a keyboard all day, you'll know that if your posture's bad, what happens? Man, you get a jacked up neck and your shoulders and, and you just start getting all sorts of trouble that you don't really want. So your posture is important. And I believe that in life, our posture's important. Now, it's going to seem like I'm going to ignore everything I've just said and move to a whole different space, but I'm coming back to that, so hang on to that. A couple of weeks ago, I was chatting to a friend of mine, and, and this friend of mine was, we were really just talking about challenges in life and struggles in life and, and the stuff that we face, you know, stuff that come our way daily that we, we didn't bank on and we didn't plan on, but, but yet it's happened, and, and how many of us know we, we use that, that, that little saying, life happens, you know, we make plans and then life happens. Uh, another, another nice saying is, um, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, you know. Um, and life happens, and we were just chatting through through these struggles and these strains in life, and and he started talking to me about some of the the biggest struggles that he'd gone through in life, some of the greatest hurts that he'd gone through in life, and he's he's not quite double my age, but but it's not far from that. And as he was talking, he just spoke about a specific season in his life where he just he really faced some real hurt. And then he said, and one day he realized that this had carried on for several years where he just hung on to this thing. And then, and then one day he was just standing in a bookshop and he read a phrase. And he read, as he read this phrase, this phrase changed his life. The phrase was this. The phrase was, blessed is the man whose dreams are motivated by hope, not by hurt. It's up on the board there for you, but I'm going to repeat it. Blessed is the man whose dreams are motivated by hope and not by hurt. And he said that, you know, as he, as he started allowing God to just take hold of his hurts and just releasing his hurts, it's like the hope of Christ rose up in his life again and, and, and he just started finding newness and fullness of life. Last week, Vanna so beautifully challenged us with a with the whole thought of, you know, whose image do you bear? Whose 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 stamp is on your life? Whose title is stamped on your life? He he spoke out of the portion of scripture where Jesus gets challenged regarding tax and, and he says, Well, whose image is on the coin? So then render to Caesar, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. And the the, the gist of what Jesus was saying there was was my image is stamped on your life. My title is stamped on your life. So give to God what is God's. But how many of us know, and, and by the way, if you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, please get onto our podcast and go listen to it. I listened to it during the week and it, it really was absolutely incredible. So please go and do that. But, but isn't it true 
that even as we've said that, so often our hurts get in the way. Our hurts get in the way of recognizing whose image we bear and whose title is stamped on our lives. And it's our hurts when they're not dealt with that makes a critic out of us. Isn't that the truth? How many of us have been hurt? You don't have to put up your hands because it'll be all of us. We've all been hurt somewhere along the line. And, and, and isn't it true that as someone has said something about you that's maybe been not true or, 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 or been really hurtful, man, like you become a critic immediately. And it's like, dude, who are you? Who are you to say, I know your life. Uh, you've done this, you've done that, you, you, this person, check your family, check your work, check this. Like, how can you say that about me? And all of a sudden, we become a critic right there in the moment. And we filter life through this hurt and we become this critic. Isn't it the truth? I mean, we'll even go as far as to, to look at our, at our own children and go, are they the same gene pool? You know, like what's happening here? Like you look at your extended family and go, that's it, I knew it, I'm adopted. That's a fact. <laughs> Why? Because we filtered life through our hurt and we become this critic. <clears throat> fact. There's an old saying that says, what, what you don't deal with will deal with you. And when we don't deal with our hurts, our hurt deals with us and turns us into a critic. There's, there's a story of a of a famous, um, famous art critic by the name of Robert Cummings. And Robert Cummings relays the story of, of where he, he went to go and look at a very specific painting. Um, it's a, it's a, a, a painting that was in the National Museum of, of, uh, in, in London. Um, and it's an Italian Renaissance uh, painting by an uh, artist by the name of uh, Filipino Lippi, sounds Italian. Uh, and the name of the painting is The Virgin and Child with Saint Jerome and Dominic. They didn't have short names apparently for paintings uh, back in the day. And this, this painting was painted in 1485. And he goes to this museum and he goes to check it out. And, and Robert Cummings relays the story like this. He says he, he gets to the museum, he goes and he stands in front of this, this portrait. And as he stands in front of this portrait, this portrait is like eye level with him. And it's a pretty big portrait. And as he's looking at this portrait, he says, he says even though he could appreciate the artistry that went into it, he could, he could appreciate the technique, he could appreciate the brush strokes, he could appreciate the color usage, he could appreciate all of these things about this piece of art. But still, as he looked at it, this piece of art, something seemed off. Something clashed with his senses, like things didn't line up. So the portrait, I try to find a really nice copy, but apparently they don't post high-quality pictures of expensive art online. I wonder why. Don't know. But anyways, um, the, the portrait is essentially Mary um, holding the baby Jesus with two men on either side of her looking at the child. And in this portrait, when I actually went and looked at the photo online, it looks like, like Mary's looking over Jesus, not looking at Jesus. And, and the guy, 
kneeling on the ground next to them is looking under Jesus and not looking at Jesus. And the mountains are just, they're disproportionate to the, to, to the central focus of this painting, which is Mary holding Jesus. And nothing lined up. And, and Robert Cummings just relays and he says, you know, it just, it just clashed with him. Like even though he appreciated the work that went into it, it just, the painting didn't make sense. And as he stood and he looked at this painting, he said at one stage, he, he looked at it and he, he just thought to himself, what if? What if, what if this painting wasn't meant to hang in a gallery? What if this painting wasn't meant to hang in, in a museum? What if? What if this painting was meant to hang in a place of worship? What if this painting was, was meant to hang in a place of prayer? And he said in that moment he did something that he'd never done before. He's in this gallery and he's, he's looking at this painting and this painting's eye level with him and this painting's making no sense. And as he processes what he's just thought, for the first time in his life, instead of looking at the painting square on, he changes his posture and he moves himself into a place of worship and he looks up at the painting and all of a sudden the painting makes sense all of a sudden Mary's looking at Jesus all of a sudden the guy sitting at their feet is looking at Jesus all of a sudden the mountains have now come into perspective all of a sudden the focal point now is Mary and Jesus and all he had to do was change his posture from a point of being a critic to a place of surrender. And isn't life the exact same for us, folks? In order to move from a place of hurt to a place of hope, we need to change our posture. We need to change our posture. You see, Robert Cummings was a critic. That's what he did. That's what he was paid to do. So when he looked at everything, he looked at it through the eye of a critic. But in order for him to see the picture that the artist had intended, he needed to move from a posture of criticism to a posture of surrender. And in our lives, we've already said that, that hurt, hurt leads to criticism. Hurt leads to, to us becoming a, cri a critic. But surrender, worship, leads to hope. Why? Because when we surrender, we start to see the picture that the great artist himself, our Heavenly Father, originally 
intended. There's, a, there's an Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah was a man after God's heart. He, he really pursued God in everything that he did. And, and within that, life didn't always go all that well for Isaiah. He was, he was mocked and he was ridiculed for, for being a prophet, for, 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 for speaking out against, against what was happening in his day. And as a result, Isaiah experienced huge hurt in life. Emotional, physical, all around. He experienced quite a bit of hurt. But God walked a process with Isaiah. He walked a process with Isaiah that ultimately moved Isaiah from instead of through his hurt getting bitter, he came out the other side better. And I've got to stop and ask myself, what was that process? So this morning, as we just look, there's, there's this portion of scripture in Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50 verses 4 through 7, where I really believe Isaiah just makes three key statements that kind of just show us this process that him and God worked through to move from a, from a posture of hurt to a posture of surrender. And it goes like this. You're welcome to follow me. It's going to be up on the board. If you're a Christian and you have your Bible with you this morning, you're welcome to follow me. That was low, hey? Yeah. All right. All right. Isaiah 50 verse 4, it says this. It says, the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom. And as I just read that one phrase, Isaiah is essentially, he's giving us, He's giving us quite a statement there. He's, he's saying, the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom. Hold on to that. Okay. So the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom. So that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I've listened. Again, another Sovereign Lord statement. The Sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I've listened. I've not rebelled or turned away. And then here he, he kind of gives us a picture into the hurt that he, that, he, that, that he faced. He says here, he says, I offered my back to those who beat me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and, and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. And we're going to stop there for now. So right here, we see that Isaiah went through some pretty intense hurt. I mean, he was beaten. He had his beard pulled out. I don't know how many of you have had your beard pulled out within this week, but I can't think that it would be fun. Um, you know, he was, he was mocked and he was, he was spat at. And yet we don't see retaliation from him. We, we kind of see him living out Jesus' words. You know, if someone smacks you on the cheek, turn and, and offer the other cheek. And I don't know how many of you are there right now. Okay. Um, 
But here we see that, that Isaiah essentially gives us three statements. He gives us three, the sovereign Lord statements. And I believe that as we look at this phrase, the sovereign Lord, it speaks of a place of surrender. You don't, you don't refer to someone as the sovereign Lord for no reason. I believe that when we reach a point where we can honestly say, Lord, you are sovereign in my life. That means that you're ruler of everything. That's coming from a place of surrender. And Isaiah makes these three surrendered statements. The first one is, the sovereign Lord has given me his wisdom. So, the first point that's going to come up on the board there is, God gave Isaiah wisdom and opened his understanding. And we see that in verse 4. Now, if you and I are honest... Whenever we get hurt, what's the first thing that goes out the window? Wisdom, isn't it? Why? Because in the moment, we don't want wisdom, we want revenge. Let's be honest. We don't want to get wise, we want to get even. That's what you want in the moment. I know you're looking at me like I'm evil, but I know that that's where you're at in those moments. Isn't that the truth? We don't want wisdom, we want revenge. I want to get back at whoever. And wisdom is the first thing that normally goes right out the window. The problem is that in those moments, what happens? We become a critic, isn't it? We become a critic. Wisdom's out the window and the critic kicks in. And all of a sudden, I've got all sorts of clever little remarks to make. Um, if it escalates and makes it to Facebook, God help everyone around us. Because you know? then we become keyboard heroes. And there's this absolute wake of destruction and Facebook's even going, what just happened? But we do, we become these critics. You see, and being a critic closes the door to wisdom. When wisdom goes, here's the key thing. When wisdom goes, we stop seeing the picture that the artist originally intended. See, when I become a critic and when wisdom goes, I start looking at the person through the filter of the critic, not the filter of the picture that God originally intended when he created that person. Swing that around. I start looking at my own life through the eyes of a critic. And I stop seeing the picture. I stop seeing the image and the title that's stamped on this life. I stop seeing it. Whose image, folks? Whose image is stamped on us? He said this, Isaiah says this, he says, the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom. Why? He's given me that wisdom. You see, when we go through stuff, it's not for free. God's working a process in our lives. And as he works a process in our lives, he's not just working that process for us. He's also working it for the people around us. He says here, Isaiah says this, he says, the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. I know how to go and comfort those who are going through their own hurt. 
I know how to go and be relevant in their hurt for that moment. How often do we say, man, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what I'm going through, what you're going through. But at the same time, I've been through my own hurts. And, and I believe that God's worked a process in me. So I believe that he's given me a heart for the hurting. And I can bring his comfort in these dark moments for you. Why? Because he brought his comfort into my darkness. And I'm just relaying that to you. And for us to gain wisdom... We need to change our posture from the critic to surrendered. Now, some of us may be sitting here and going, Ramon, you're throwing that word wisdom around quite loosely. If I'm brutally honest, on my best day, I don't feel like I have wisdom. You know, I had wisdom teeth once upon a time, but that was as close as we got. You know, I I, I don't... On my best day, I just don't feel like I have that wisdom that you're talking about. In the book of James, James 1 verse 5. It tells us that if any of us lack wisdom, we should ask. If any of us lack wisdom, we should ask. And then God who's faithful will give to us liberally. He's not going to give you like a bit of wisdom. When we ask God for wisdom, he gives liberally in abundance. You may be sitting here this morning going, man, I need that. Apart from hurt and apart from being a critic and posture and all that stuff. Like I'm going through stuff right now and I just, man, I need wisdom. I want to hit pause on the message very quickly. This is a prayer I pray for myself every day. Lord, I need your wisdom. Lord, I need your wisdom. If you're here this morning and you're in a place where you're going, Lord, I really need your wisdom, then right here, right now, I want to ask you to just stand on your feet. I want to pray with you that we pray and ask the God who says that he'll give us wisdom liberally for him to give us that wisdom. Amen. As folks are standing all around the auditorium, Lord, right now, we thank you that you have made it clear that if anyone lacks wisdom, we should ask our Heavenly Father, who is faithful, and he will give us the wisdom we need liberally. So, Father God, right now, we stand in front of you as your children, Lord. Lord, and right there as you stand, just put your hands out in front of God. Just a posture of surrender. Just say, Lord, I surrender to you. And right now, I ask you, Lord, give me the wisdom that I need. Lord, and I thank you that you're faithful to do as you have promised. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. So now as we've spoken through that, now a shift takes place. A shift takes place in our hearts. And and, and we start moving from this place of, of critic to surrender. 
And now I believe that, that, that as Isaiah works through this process, I believe that now we're, we're open to a place where we can latch on to the second sovereign Lord statement that Isaiah made. And, and, and it's this one. It says, the sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I've listened. It's verse 5. So the second thing that, that happens here is, is Isaiah comes to a place where he's open to listen to God. He's open to listen to God. He says this in verse 5. He says, I've not rebelled and turned away. I've not rebelled and turned away. You see, folks, rebellion is a posture of criticism. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm rebellious, it means that I've hardened my heart. It means that, that, that God can't really do anything with this. Why? Because I've hardened myself to him. But you see, when we, when we allow God to, to bring us to this place of surrender, this posture of surrender, it means that there's something amazing that happens. Like the, the ears of our life open up to God. And we're able to actually hear Him. We're actually able to listen to what He has to say for our lives. Why? Because I've shifted my posture from critic to surrender. I'm able to hear what he has to say. And how often aren't we in a space, let, let's be honest, how many of us have, have said in the past, somewhere along the line, oh man, God just feels so far away. Man, God just, it, it just, it just feels to me like he's silent. It just feels like he doesn't speak to me anymore. I was chatting to a friend of mine this week. He's also in the ministry and uh, out in the free states. And he, he was saying, you know, a, a guy came and moaned at him and was like, man, God just doesn't speak like he used to speak in the Old Testament. You know, he used to speak so much in the Old Testament. And why doesn't God come and speak to us anymore? So, so he shows the guy, he's like, man, let me show you something. And he takes out his Bible and he's like, he's like, so that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. That's about 4,000 years. Like that's what's recorded of God speaking in 4,000 years. I don't know, man. I reckon he still speaks to us about as much. You know, for us to try and make claims like that, I think is silly. Because God still speaks to us. All the time. God still speaks to us all the time. But are we open to listen? Are we open to listen? You know, oh man, God just feels so far away. God, I don't feel like God listens to me anymore. I don't feel like God speaks to me anymore. There's just no connection. I feel like God's silent. Isn't that how so many of us have, have spoken about this? Old Bible school lecturer of mine, he always used to say, whenever, feel like, whenever you feel like God's far away, guess who moved? Because here yeah, the word says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God tells us that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. So God never went anywhere. If he feels far away, if he feels silent, guess who moved? question have we changed our posture have we changed our posture so God gave 
Isaiah wisdom and understanding. Isaiah was then in a place where he listened and, and applied what God was saying despite massive, massive pressure. And I believe that, that as we follow this process, it leads to the third, to the third, the sovereign Lord moment. So the sovereign Lord has given me his wisdom. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. The sovereign Lord helps me. The sovereign Lord helps me. And that's the, the third big sovereign Lord moment that Isaiah has. And that's in verse 7. God helps him. You see, God always helps those who are surrendered to him. God can do nothing with the rebellious heart, folks. When my heart is hard toward God, he's a gentleman. He'll never force himself on anyone. God can do nothing with a life that's motivated by hurt. God can do a lot for a life that's hurting Please don't mishear that. God has grace. God has care. God has compassion. God has love for a life that's hurting. But a life that's chosen to hang on to that hurt and to hold that hurt as central and to stand in the place of the critic and to just vomit all that rubbish all the time. Harden our hearts. God can't do anything with a life that's chosen that. The Word of God tells us in James 4, verse 6, Proverbs 3, 34, and 1 Peter 5, 5, it says that God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. See, even if we're in that place where we've hardened ourselves, God still has an out for us. He still makes a way out for us. For us to come to him in humility and go, Lord, will you take these hard areas of my life? Will you bring them in submission to you? Lord, I surrender this life to you. Lord, and will, will you bring that heart of flesh back, your, your heart for my life? Will you bring that back? Man, and when we do that, folks, there is no stopping what God can do with a life like that. There's no stopping what God can do with a life like that. The worship team's welcome to come back. If we stop and we consider these three, these three, the sovereign Lord statements, the three statements are the sovereign Lord has given me his wisdom. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. The sovereign Lord helps me and I will not be disgraced. We can take those three statements and run them in reverse as well. The sovereign Lord helps me. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. And because of this, the sovereign Lord has given me his wisdom. See, folks, I believe that the key to unlocking what we've spoken about here is changing our posture from critic to surrendered, from hurt 
to hope. The ushers are welcome to, to come to the table. What is our response to his help? You know, when this friend of mine read me this statement that said, blessed is the man whose dreams are motivated by hope and not by hurt. I took it home with me and I, I kind of chewed on it for a couple of days. And I just, I just asked God, I said, Lord, will you come and work your truth in that statement in my life? I don't know if I'd ever really read Isaiah 50. <laughs> but I went and, I, and for some reason God took me to Isaiah 50. And I just sat and I read through it and read through it and read through it. And verse 7, verse 7 just jumped out at me. And, and I kind of made up my own verse 7 out of various different translations. I just put them together because I believe that it just certain translations just say certain lines in such a beautiful way so between the New King James and the NLT I promise it's all gospel you're welcome to go check it out I just felt like God God was challenging with me with this Isaiah 50 verse 7 for the Lord God will help me I will not be disgraced. And here's the kicker, folks. Therefore, wherefore? Whenever there's a therefore, we need to ask wherefore. Therefore, wherefore? Why? Why? Because God helps me. For this reason, I have set my face as flint. In today's language, that doesn't mean much. Other translations say, I've set my face as stone. I've set my face as stone. I've set my face as flint, determined to do His will. And I will not be put to shame. You see, folks, we've spoken about a heart of stone. We've spoken about a hard heart. And that hard heart being the heart of a critic. Here's what I believe that, that God was telling me in that moment. He was saying, my boy, I want to replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. I want to replace your heart of stone. Your hard heart. The heart that, that, that's been hurt. The heart that's faltering everything as a critic. I want to take away those hard parts of your heart. And I want to give you a heart of flesh. And I want to take your face and I want to set it as rock, as stone, fixed, focused, determined to do my will. I want to swap a heart of stone for a face of stone that will not waver, that will not look to the left, that will not look to the right. but will remain fixed on my will for your life. See, folks, that's what a surrendered heart looks like. That's what a surrendered heart comes to. A posture of moving from a critic to surrendered means taking a heart of stone and exchanging it for a heart of flesh and gaining a face a focus that is single-minded, that is locked in, that is focused, determined to do God's will.
this morning. How many of us, how many of us need to change our posture? How many of us need to change our posture and go, Lord, for too long, for too long have I been a critic? For too long have I walked and, 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 and had an, a, a filter of hurt in my life and I've, I've lost that hope. I don't function in that hope. I don't walk in that hope. I don't even know if that hope is even still around. Why? Because I've been a critic for too long. Lord, this morning, this morning, Lord, I want you to break that filter down, Lord, and I want to give this critic a death sentence. And this morning, Lord, I want you to come and, and change my posture. I choose it. I choose it. And I choose to take a posture of surrender. See, folks, I believe that when we take that on, when we agree to that, when we say, yes, Lord, I want that, then I believe that we can take that statement that was read right in the beginning and we can actually rewrite that statement. And that statement starts to look like this. Blessed is the man whose dreams are not motivated by hurt making him a critic. But blessed is the man whose dreams are motivated by hope that started in a posture of surrender. Is that you this morning? That's me this morning. Is that you this morning? We've hung on with communion for this reason. That this morning, I believe that God wants to do a work in your life. This morning, I know God wants to do a work in my life. But for us this morning, to take the truth of His Word and not just brush it off as another sermon, brush it off as, as, as words from a book, but understanding that this is God's life plan for this life. This is God's life plan for these lives. Go, Lord, I, I want to move from having it my way, thinking I know how to do this. And Lord, I want to come and I want to surrender so that I can start seeing the picture that the artist originally intended. And this morning, we want to seal that with the blood of the one who first took on the posture of surrender. We hung between two thieves. And he said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I'll take sin, I'll take shame, I'll take, I'll take the, the, the vile, disgusting stuff of this world and I'll take it on myself so that your children can follow my example one day and move into a posture of surrender. Maybe this morning this message didn't speak to you and that's fine and we can just do communion together. But this morning, folks, if that is you, if that is you, don't miss this moment, please. This morning, as we take communion, I, I challenge you right there in your seat. We're going to be doing a song together in the background. Duncan's going to be, be leading us. But, but as that's happening right there in your seat, do business with God. Do business with God. Lord, I choose to take a posture of surrender. And today... That is the death of the critic in my life. 
Amen. Thank you, guys. that you hang on to your to your elements normally we just let you do it in your own time but right now I'm going to ask you just hang on to the cup and the bread and if you're a visitor today and you're trying to figure out if you're allowed to take part please you don't need to be a member of this church to take part in communion with us this morning this morning your your in on communion is that you have a relationship with Jesus um, so please feel free to join us this morning. But if, we'll, if you'll just hang on to your elements, I'd love for us to just do this prayer together, to, to harness this moment together. folks back there who are being served is there anyone on this side that's been missed everyone good everyone on this side being attended to in your presence Lord and as we come and acknowledge what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary Lord Lord I thank you that as he set the example Lord Father God by assuming a posture of surrender Lord surrender to your will Lord I even think back to the garden where he said Lord if it's your will Will you take this cup from me? But Lord, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Lord, this morning, for, for so many of us, we've lived with, with such hurt in our lives for so long, Lord. So many years, Father God, where we, we, we live in a place of bitterness as a result, Lord. Lord, this morning, we want to come and lay that thing down before you, Lord. And just say, Lord, no more. No more, no more hurt, no more unforgiveness, Lord. Today I forgive and I release, Lord. Today I forgive and I release. If that's you this morning, right there in your seat, just speak to God this morning. It's between you and Him. And just say, Lord, this morning I forgive and I release. Maybe you even need to name the person in that moment. Just go, Lord, I forgive and I release. Lord, I choose this morning 
to lay my hurt down, to give it to you wholeheartedly, Lord. To stop allowing the filter of my life to be my hurt. And Father God, this morning, I put to death the critic in my life, Lord. Lord, and this morning I choose to assume the position of surrender, the posture of surrender. Lord, I thank you that you take this heart of stone, Lord, and I give it to you and I say, Lord, I'm sorry for the areas that I've hung on to, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, I let them go. Father God, this morning, I thank you that you take this heart of stone and that you give me a heart of flesh, Lord, and that in turn, you give me a face of stone, Lord. That you give me a single-minded focus to do your will. That I will not look to the left, I will not look to the right, but my eyes will be fixed on Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that that is where I draw my hope from. That you become the motivator of the dreams in my life. This morning I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender to you wholeheartedly, Lord. So Father God, this morning as we take your, the, the bread, Lord, we remember your sacrifice through the cross of Jesus. Lord, and we take this bread, we say thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you are doing. And thank you for what you continue to do in our lives, Lord. This morning, as we eat this biscuit, Lord, I thank you that as we eat it, we eat it in remembrance of you and choose to follow your example of surrender. We thank you for that, Lord. as we take the cup Lord we thank you for the representation of your blood that washes away our sin Lord Lord that makes us new Lord that because of this we can say that if anyone is in Christ they are a new creation the old has passed away behold all has become new and in this moment, we, with celebration and with joy, thank you that the critic is dead and that a surrendered life can find hope in you this morning, Lord. So as we drink the cup, we do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. We say thank you. our lives to you we commit the remainder of this day to you father god lord i thank you that for what you have done in people's lives this morning and i thank you that we could so beautifully just seal it through communion together this morning lord lord i thank you 
that this wasn't a moment that's fleeting, that's passed away, and that we go out and live the lives that we've always lived, Lord. But I thank you that something significant has happened in people's lives this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you've given wisdom as we've asked, Lord. Father God, that we will walk in your wisdom, Lord, that we will be open to listen to you, Lord, to hear from you daily, Lord, and to apply what you teach us, Lord, apply what you say to us, Lord, and that you help us to live lives that look like Jesus. Lord, that you help us to be accurate representation of your Son to the people around us to our family, our friends, our colleagues. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. We're going to do a final song and then you are dismissed. Please hang around, have coffee with us, come visit, uh, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.